and action. Started with my my girl. Yeah. Wasting, I thought, wasting all her time on TikTok. You know, and what I didn't realize or grasp at the time was, you know, since COVID, she was sort of isolated, you know, from a lot of her friends and family. But the Sonic Boom administration encouraged her to start her own business. From with 4,000 followers, you know, when she was doing her live shows, she generated, you know, thousands of dollars by the time she started yeah. her own business with family and all that. So, you know, maybe there's something here, you, yeah. you know. And I started just doing it as an outlet to uh, to stay sober, sort of just to have fun. So this, let me, maybe, let's do this uh, first because I want to get all this. Okay. So this mic is pretty directional. Okay. So you're going to want to be like right in front of it and you're going to talk right into that circular top of it. I'll try to keep my ADHD under control. I, I'm you and me, around. you and me both, brother. <laughs> right here for talking, you're gonna want that pretty close. So Copy. Filter. It's on a, it's on an arm, so if you want to lean back, you can just bring it with you. Right. Um, but yeah, just be mindful. You yeah, don't pull I'll try it off to. The, uh, just be mindful you don't pull it off the table altogether. Copy. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll see how we do. <laughs> yeah, we'll good. take it one step at a time. But no, she. She started generating revenue, you know, started paying bills off of, you know, just a couple thousand followers. So I thought, hey, maybe there's something here. So I started using my TikTok as sort of like a, a test phase to see, you know, what hashtags are trending, you know, s just certain gimmicks to, yep. to see what, you know, what hit. And, uh, you know, it's it's turned into, you know, 20,000 followers in the last, you know, year, I would say, eight months, year. But, um, you know. I made a lot of other mistakes, you know, early in sobriety that I'm still dealing with the consequences of that. Sure. You know, I told you a little Tyler, bit. Tyler, do you need yesterday. to do an audio test? So how am I sounding? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. I can't hear him at all. I'm just worried about it coming off there, Tyler. Is that on there tight? And you want it pretty. You want to be pretty close. Got to it. it. Like right on. I mean, I yeah, want to. Can you hear yourself now? Yeah, I want to make love to it a little. Yeah, you want to fuck that mic. All right. So. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Perfect. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. But I just feel, you know, unlike other social media platforms, you know, we use Instagram and Facebook where they sort of want you to pay them for exposure and to, you know, to, to create a following. You know, I feel TikTok is more generic in the sense where it's going to it wants to keep you engaged. Therefore, it's going to push your content out to the people who want to see it. Yeah. You know, and um, I think it's the future of all marketing, you, you know as far as, you know, reaching certain demographics and, you know, I just feel it's a fun platform. It's a fun platform. I like it. You know, I enjoy yeah. it a lot. So then you also want to be mindful of your bead mm. on the table. You hear him clacking. Yeah. So everything you can hear, everybody can hear. Okay. I don't really mind it, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Just so you, you're aware I, of it. I'll try um, to be conscious. I hear you. But only because it's your first time. Yeah. So, um, 
before we get too in depth, who are you? What do you do? And how did you get here today? Hmm. Well, my name's Ryan. You know, I go by streets. I started in the streets and I made it all the way to the stock market. That's what I like to tell people. But, um, you know, I'm just a kid from Ansonia, Connecticut, who, you know, was born into trauma, born into chaos. You know, I, I played the hand I was dealt. I've been an addict my whole life. It took me going to prison and finally being in a controlled environment to where I couldn't manipulate women. I couldn't use certain things that I've been doing my whole life. And I was faced to, uh, to sober up. You know, I made a decision when I was there. I submitted. At some point, I realized, you know, I'm going to be here. I, I, I can't get out of this. I'm not going to be able to, you know, win any of these battles with these people. So, therefore, how can I utilize this time to benefit myself? And I went back to school. You know, I got my GED. I was then required to get a job. I got a school in the job. Uh, I got a job in the school t- tutoring the uh, other inmates. And that's when I got to see firsthand the difference between people who are sick and need help and criminals, you know, mm-hmm. and the majority of people in prison are, are sick, you know, whether Absolutely. whether it's, you know, uh, a demographic, you know, uh, maybe trauma, things that, that we spoke about yesterday. Or I think more <laughs> our brains are just built different. We process information different. We handle stress different. But I saw the difference between somebody who is stupid and somebody who, like myself, who's smart, you know, and where I can grasp things instantly and just understand, you know, some people lack the capability of processing information and retaining knowledge, you know, and then for being able to use that, you know, for themselves. So I, I don't know, in this country in particular, we have more people incarcerated than any other industrialized country in the world combined, you know, but we are, you know, lacking as far as they call it corrections the department of corrections but they're not correcting anything the recidivism rate in connecticut's nine out of ten after three years so and it's just that revolving door because they're not helping people get back into the community you know i had to cut corners and break almost every rule the eight months i was living in the halfway house just so that when i was released fully released from prison i would have some sort of, you know, platform to, you know, be, you know, back in the community. So, for instance, you can take a yellow cab, but you cannot get in an Uber, you know. So I got a night job. I had to take the bus, about a 45-minute bus ride to work, another half-hour walk. I got in at 7 p.m. I worked till 3.30 in the morning. There's nothing running at that time. So I had to take an Uber home, which... On any night, had I got caught in one of those cars, I could have went right back to prison, you know. So just there's little things like that that, you know, and, and that's just the very tip of the iceberg. You know, I was required to pay cash or money orders. I had to pay for my room and board a percentage of my pay when I lived there, but I couldn't write checks from my checking account, you know. So I, I, I don't understand a lot of things that went on there, um, you know, and it from torture you know well some of it i i'm not saying you're wrong because you're not wrong i've had siblings that have been in the system i've had friends that have been in the system i've had guests on the podcast that have been in the system um you're not wrong the system's broken but like the paying of your bills you can't write a check makes perfect sense to me yeah because i mean we're talking about criminals they have no they have no problem writing a fucking check that's gonna bounce yeah that's true right so that i mean that's a logical 
answer to that one thing. Right. That yeah. doesn't make like the Uber thing. I don't really get it fully, but I imagine it has something to do with the fact that Uber is not actually a taxi service. It's individuals running a hustle on their own, doing their own thing. So I, I see little things where I'm like, yeah, I guess it makes sense from one perspective, but it's not helpful to a person that's already at the bottom, right? right. Like you're, you've hit rock bottom at that point, one would assume, mm-hmm. and you, you're struggling to get back on your feet and you're struggling to stay the course and you're struggling to make good choices at that point, And they're not making it easy to make good choices. Correct. And that's the part that I go, okay, that's a red flag. Like yeah. it should be easy to make good choices. Like halfway houses should have a check cashing place or a place to get money orders very close to it. So that way, like that it's all about putting it in location. And then they're like, Oh, well this halfway house is going to be in this neighborhood with all these normal society people so they can have some sort of normalcy, sure, but their life is not normal yet. My thought process was, you know, I'm, I'm a ward of the state technically. Sure. Um, I'm paying this money. Why not take that money so that when I leave here, that money is mine now? You know, why? they're not forcing you to save. They're not, there's certain sure. programs that aren't set yet. So that was just my thought. Why are you taking this money? That's money I can save to, to, you know, I don't have family. I don't have friends. I don't have, you know, any ties to the community to help me when I get out of here. And again, there's, there's part of that that says the logical reason mm. for you not being allowed to save that money is people have spent lots of tax dollars on your room and board over the no, X I, amount of years that you're it. in. So, you know, I get it. So, and I'm not disagreeing with you. I think the system is broken. I think that the system is not set up to help people make good choices but easily. Where is the money going? That, that, here's my question, because, and, and this was my, my experience in prison, there's so much waste from just, okay, every other state, when you go to court, you know, the first maybe three court appearances, nothing happens. It's all sure. technical. So in most states, they do video conferencing, you know. Yeah. Not here in this state. When I tell you, you know, I had to go in four different vehicles to get to it's there's a lot of waste from every level and there's monopolies set up this prison is a for-profit business 100 percent. and the revolving door everything that's in this country is designed to keep feeding that system from well it's designed to feed all of the systems that are capitalistic and monopolies that we're told are not monopolies but they are they it runs from cable companies to to transportation, to the prison system, yeah. to the government, to pharmaceutical, to medical. Yes. It's, it's all corporate-run, dominating things. of, And that's, you know, I've been an employee for a long time before I built my own business and my own brand. And I always knew that eventually I would have my own thing that I was doing. But I don't, I don't get myself wrapped up in taxes or where my money goes that they take out of my check or because when I start asking why is when I'm going to start getting irritated. Mm. If I just know that X amount of dollars has to go to the, to the tax man or the government or wherever it's going, then I can say, fuck it, this is how much I need to make. And they're going to keep taking a portion. And that portion will get bigger or smaller based on the amount of money I make. So I have to just deal with it. Or I can fucking drive myself insane trying to figure out where every penny of my money goes to. Why is gas $4? Mm. If I keep asking myself why gas is $4 instead of just putting gas in my tank, I'll drive myself fucking bananas. And I have not always been financially in the position I'm in. 
I I have gone from bottom to top. And I was I was raised by very healthy, very good parents. I do not think that they were not like however, I have six adopted siblings that were not healthy and did not come from healthy environments and no matter what my parents did, no matter how much my parents loved them, they still made bad choices. And we met because of a post I made from this podcast about addiction and how I don't think addiction is real. Mm. And it's not that I don't think addiction is real. I don't think addiction is as, as is the root of the disease. I think addiction is the choice. I think addiction is the choice because you've already talked about your trauma, mm. right? So if we get to the root of your trauma, and I'm not mm. a therapist, so let's just put that fucking disclaimer out there immediately. I'm not a therapist, but I love people and I love having these conversations with people. Right. I have a perspective. Right. And I fucking love, I love breaking down how and why people function the way that they do and finding where, where their, their trauma occurred so they can get past it. Mm. Right. Like I'm not a therapist, so I can just give you my opinion and give you my fucking answer that I think it is. And you can take it and do what you want with it or you can fuck off. Like, I don't give a fuck. It is what it is. Um, and I don't expect you to come here looking for advice or come here looking for therapy or come in here. Uh, we're here to have a conversation. Two grown fucking adults that met on TikTok through you making a comment of, I don't understand. Mm. Right? That's what you said. You said, I don't get it, but you're here to change the I conversation. I you my perspective. Right. And I would love to have it. Yes. And I've known, and like I said, I have siblings that were addicts. I have friends that were addicts. I have good friends that were friends of mine for 20 plus years that are still addicts. Mm. And I just don't talk to them anymore, even though I still love them, because they make poor choices. And they've been, and I believe, here's where it comes down to me for it being a choice. There are zero addicts that get sober before they want to get sober. You are 100% correct. And that's what makes it a choice. You cannot, but it wasn't a choice for me. And, And I only... See if it so. Then was let's start. So now that I've made the statement, mm-hmm. let's rewind. Okay. To you said you were born into trauma. Start with your life. Tell me your story. So I had a normal upbringing until a certain point. You know, if you go to my adolescent years, sure. um, no no elbows on the table. You know, dinner every night. We 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 uh, we went to church. You know, I went to community. You know. Normal white picket fence, so I thought at the time. You know, I yep. was innocent still. Okay. I don't know if it was, you know, my father cheating or it was the addiction that I finally just started to notice. You know, both my parents were drinkers, users, um, my both functioning. You sure. know, uh, my father cheated on my mother. She came from, you know, money and sort of left her family and in her security to to be with my father. My mother was 19 when she had me. My mom was 39 when she passed away. Um so in that time, you know, <laughs> and how old were you? I I can't, so 17, you were... I I 18, I I I don't know exactly. So I, if she was 19 when she had you yeah. and she was 39 when she passed away, you were 20. At 20, okay, that sounds about right. Um so when did you start using? As a teenager, 12 13, I started smoking pot as an outlet to deal with anxiety, uh, maybe, you know, to... See, so already there we're talking about mental health. We're not mm. talking about addiction. Okay. Right? It, right. So it always starts and, from mental health. And I health. was told as a child, you know, oh, you're predisposed. Oh, you know, you yeah, got to yeah. be careful. So I didn't think I was an addict until I went to prison is when I kind of... No, but way before then I had found the rooms 
you know, the the twelve step program, and and I had been to a couple rehabs, and I and I I had finally submitted and and made the decision that you know admitted that I'm definitely an addict, and I leaned into it. You know, I had been told I, I'm so many things my whole life. You're sure. this. You're gonna be just like your father. You're gonna. So so let me rewind. Who said that to you? Uh, so let me rewind. I had a normal upbringing until yep. a certain point. Um, so it sounds like twelve, where you started yep. smoking weed. And I think that was, but you weren't abused. I, I not physically. Physically. So were you uh, were you accosted? Mm, what uh, accosted verbally attacked? Did so you, my, did your dad call you a loser? My, my, and an no, idiot and, you know what? It was more. Um, I think my I started to look just like my father, and my mom had so much resentment. And my mother's upbringing, what she came from, yelling, screaming. There, yep. they. Everything, you know, from Kool-Aid on the floor, you know, it's, yeah. it's a, you know, when I, the top of my lungs, you know, and it's a trigger for me now. I, I realized later in life, I have auditory triggers. When I feel threatened and you're really, really loud, and, and sometimes I can't control my physical reactions from a, an auditory type, yep. if that makes, makes sense. sense. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I found weed and I come from, you know, poverty. My mother was struggling and I figured out early that. If I can sell weed to my friends, it can pay for itself. You know, my mother found out right away. She she had me arrested. She had me arrested at, I don't know, 15 years old. I went to, to Whaley Ave, and uh, my father bailed me out of prison, and I, I went to go live with him. And that in that same summer, um, I got a job in, in a town. So when did your parents get divorced? I don't know. 13, 14. I don't know that they were ever technically married, to be honest with so, you. But they were living together mm-hmm. up until you were about 12. Yeah. Yep. And 12 is when you started having anxiety, and 12 is when you started smoking to take the edge off. Yeah. Yeah. And oh, then you decided. Just to have fun, maybe. You no, know, just, just yeah. a run back of like, yep. you, you had anxiety. It was fun. You were connecting with friends. It became an emotional experience with your buddies. You laughed. You enjoyed it. It became a thing that you guys did to connect. Yeah. For right. Sure. And it also was a relief yep. from. The pressure and anxiety of your parents being separated, the animosity that your mother had towards you because you looked like your father, mm-hmm. and she already had resentment and, and going in that direction because, and then she would say things of the nature of, you're going to be just like your father, and which it, to you was an insult because your dad wasn't there. Right. And, and okay. so I believe the core in the beginning was, you know, that the shatter of the home, you, you know, and then- yep. They weren't co-parenting, so I was always forced to choose sides, you know. And then because my father wasn't there as often, I often chose his side. My mother, knowing who he really was, and at the time she had, you know, gotten a better situation, you know, uh, this guy, you know, took care of her, took us in. um, So she thought me going, you know, I'm at the time living in, I don't know, a modest home, a couple, three bed. To a, a, a one-bedroom apartment in Rocky Hill with no furniture in it. That that was going to wake me up and see this is going to be my future. Uh, my, my father's a Vietnam vet, struggled with, you know, PTSD. Later on, got help at the VA in Rocky Hill and got his shit together um, before he passed away of cancer. Um, but, uh, so... You lost both your parents. Yeah, yeah. Um, but in, in hindsight, you know... I wouldn't be the sh- as strong as I am today. So your dad died of cancer. How did your mom? My go? mother had a heart condition that sh- they found out about during her later pregnancy. I have uh, a, 
a younger brother who's from my father and my, my mother. He's eight years younger than me. And then I have a, a younger sister who's 16 years younger than me. And how are they doing? So they're very successful, actually. Um, yeah. My brother moved to Florida. He owns his own home. He's in a union. Uh, my my young my baby sister works for Sikorsky Aircraft. I think she's doing better than all of us. Um, I don't have a relationship with them really, other than social media. You know, I'm still working on. Which makes sense. Yeah, you know. You've been clean what five years? Since 2015, January 15th, so seven years. 2015 is the last time I've used alcohol or touched opiates. I use medical marijuana. Um, I, when I was released from prison in 2018. I had five years of, you know, no nicotine, nothing. Mm -hmm. And I, before COVID, I relapsed on cocaine. Um, I had been working, you know, nine, not, not to justify it, but I figured out what my triggers were, um, which one of them happened to be a Netflix documentary I watched on a woman who was stealing drugs from, she was stealing all kinds of drugs for, for 20 years from, from the evidence room. But anyway, I didn't realize at the time I had been lusting already, you know, that, that, yeah. but, um, my ego at the time led me to believe, you know, I, my logical brain knows I can't drink and control my motor functions or my decision making process. My logical brain taught me, all right, I can't control opiates. Once I put one opiate in me, it awakens something in my brain that I can't control. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't, pretend to fully grasp it. I just know as long as I don't feed that part of my brain, it's not an issue. My ego led me to believe that I could take $200 out of the ATM, purchase a certain amount of cocaine and go home when it was done, which I did successfully twice. You know, I, I figured I needed, I, I, uh, I just put in 80 hours, you know, I deserve a, a, a break, you so know. you actually clean for two years. Um, at, at the time I was, uh, clean for five years, but I was only home from prison for, you know, maybe eight months. Uh, no, I was home from prison for about a year and a half before I decided to do that because I already had a car at the time. I had a brand new car. I was working two full-time jobs and I did go back out and used cocaine twice. The third time I got caught, I didn't come home after the money was, I didn't come home for three days, you know, and I, and those are some, I hurt some people in my life that are still, you know, haven't forgiven me. So I'm working on that. But um, I say all that to say this. I tried Suboxone. I tried Methadone. I tried a lot of things. Um, medical marijuana was a lesser of two evils. I was tried looking at the root of the problem. I, <laughs> what's trauma? Yeah. Um, I will admit that I have been depending on THC to handle my emotions, you know, yeah. and that it, it sort of but that still doesn't answer did the question. become, did you, did you try and look at the root of the problem? It, I, I have dealt with a lot of my trauma. Um, I, I don't think that I have processed all of it yet. Right. If I'm being honest. So, right. And so this is where I say addiction's a choice. Mm -hmm. So the reason why addicts, including myself, I'm, I have my own addictions. They're not, they're not drugs. Mm -hmm. So I'm lucky. But I have an addiction to sugar, and if you don't think it's an addiction, that's ridiculous. It's actually, my body craves it. My body craves it, and I have to make the choice: am I going to eat these cupcakes, or am I not? And then it's: am I going to eat this entire box of fucking ho hos to make me feel better, or am I not? Am I going to go to McDonald's and order six fucking cheeseburgers and a large Coke and a large fry and binge it in my fucking car so I feel better, or am I going to say no? I can handle this, and some days I do, and some days I don't. Right. So I, I grasp the con and it's not drugs. So it's not the same, but it is the same. It's still, it's still damaging my body. It's still damaging me. 
and it's still an addiction because I know what it's doing. Can I it's, ask you a question? Yeah, please do. When you eat a cupcake, yep. how often are you able to only, you know, I'm sure you set a limit. Maybe it's one? you're going to eat two or one. Yeah. It, Never. Okay. I have to eat none or I have to eat all. Uh, so I, I'm glad you related this to, to, to food and other things because I found through diet and certain things, sugar, it, well, first of all, I think we've been lied to about most of the chemicals in our oh, food um, as far as their effects. Their, but sugar you know, I think is the most addictive substance on this Absolutely. fucking planet, yeah. truthfully. And you will detox from it the yeah. same way you will, uh, you know, narcotics. My right. body went through withdrawal symptoms similarly. But I know that I eat sugar based on my trauma. Mm. And I don't have a bunch of trauma in my life that was like abuse and, and neglect. So you're, But I do have tra tra trauma because we all do. The worst thing that happened to me is the worst thing that happened to me, and the worst thing that happened to you is the worst thing that happened to you. Is your right? theory that all addiction stems from trauma? or 99%. There are people that are born. I can't already, say that you're wrong. There's, you know. Right, but, but there's, there's already, like, so my, my daughter, who I adopted, was born addicted, mm -hmm. right? So I have to remind her every day, basically every day or once a week, hey, you know you can't do drugs, right? Like, you can't. So they can Like, you can't experiment. You can't try. No, I, I Because if you experiment or you try, you're going to get hooked. Well, it's anything that gives me instant gratification. It's anything that releases dopamine, you know? Correct. And And for me, it can be driving fast. It yep. can be gambling. When I first started my, my day trading career, it took me a year and a half, two years to, to admit that I was gambling every day. Yeah. You know, that I was chasing that dopamine yeah, still, the same yeah, way. When you uh, Absolutely. You know, I was going to bring that up at where, some point. Where yeah. na now I have a written strategy beforehand. You know, in the morning, my pre-market routine, I, my trades are written beforehand. So if it doesn't go the way it's written down, I don't take the trade. You know, but unfortunately, I lost the, the privilege to trade right now because I broke all those rules and I didn't follow that discipline. Blew up my account at a time I was completely right. leveraged and couldn't fund my account again. So the point remains. Mm-hmm. You're not dealing with the source, right? Addiction's a choice. Addiction is what we do to make ourselves feel better when we feel like everything else is shit or when we're not getting that hit of dopamine that we need. We get bored. Mm -hmm. Like, I have ADD and I have bipolar. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know if you listen to my actual po podcast at all, to, yes. but I talk about it all the mm -hmm. time. I have mental health issues. I was born with them. They're, they are the root of all of my bad decisions in life. Hmm. And I've made bad decisions in life. I have not made horrible decisions because I knew not to. When I was a gambling addict, I knew drugs would not be a good coupling factor with that. So I, I made the, and I also watched my older siblings go through it and I made the choice. I made the choice not to try. Like I've never done Coke. I've never done heroin. I've never done those things. Because I know for a fact mm. that I'll get fucking hooked. And that's the choice. Right? Like, that's me making the choice. But I have dealt with the trauma. And I have dealt with all of the other shit that built my ego mm. the way my ego was built. I had to learn how to not have an ego and then have confidence. I'm still learning how to I know you have are. an ego. And so that's why, that's and one like, of the reasons I'm here. And, like, know? I legit invited you here because I, I love talking to people, especially... Like, dude, I, I'm not shitting you. I went to your page, and you mentioned Vernon Subaru, and I was like, get the fuck out. I'm hitting this dude up. 
Like you got, I was like, he's got to come on. I got to have like, I'm not going to go back and forth just trying on one clip to have a real conversation about addiction and mental health with somebody who's living in it. Well, the fact is, addiction today affects one out of every two people in the world. You know, that's a that's a statistic. Whether or not you are an addict, a family member, you know, somebody who's an addict, you know, or somebody who's been affected by an addict, whether you know they died or they've robbed, so you know. It's just it it goes so deep. But then when I finally did get sober and start researching a a lot of, you know, our so it led me to the Rothschilds in the Rockefellers in in Standard Oil and the first monopoly that was ever created. And and I started learning about where these medical curriculums are even, you know, my personal experience in prison, I was diagnosed with Crohn's disease. Um. I, I, well, first they told me I had ulcerative colitis, and then I was diagnosed with Crohn's when I was released, and I was put on immunosuppressive drugs for two years. I was on Remicade, which is, you know, I don't want to say it's like a chemo drug, but when I tell you I was in a chair for three hours every other week, um, and they told me I had to be on this medicine for the rest of my life, and I was so sick at the time. I'm still skinny, but I was at that point down to like 110, 120 pounds, you know, and begging them for steroids because when I first was introduced to Remicade, I didn't. I declined it. Take it. They told me that you know they don't have a lot of they don't have a lot of medicine to treat Crohn's disease. Um, it's they told me a genetic disorder. I have a mutation in my genes, and that if I stop taking this medicine in a couple years after I start feeling better, that I would create an immunity to it, and that I wouldn't be able to be treated by it anymore. So I said, you know, I feel like you're trying to scare me into you know. So I, I declined it. I, I said, I don't want to do it. Um, and fast forward, you know, three months later, I was so sick. My flare was so bad. Now, a year and a half, like I said, almost two years after that, my insurance was, my state insurance was due to lapse. And um, I had to wait about six months before I could pick it up at my new job. And I tried to ask the doctors for help, you know, holistically. Is there any sort of advice? You know, their solution was to tr- keep treating me. You know, I can't imagine five, ten. I don't know how much the treatments were, but I knew that I couldn't afford them. Sure. But they, and and that's when I found Doctor Sebi and his high alkaline diets, and I started researching GMO foods. And through just, I don't know if it's luck, my ego, or you know God, but I haven't had any flares in almost three years now since I've been off my meds. I I got off immunosuppressive drug before uh before the 2020. <laughs> Try to be careful with my words there, you know. But um, so as luck would have it, I wasn't on them during that whole scare, you know, and who knows now that all that research and that data is coming out, who knows, you know, what that was all about, because, you know, I, I, I don't know what to believe anymore, you know, who to trust. So, so part of my reason for thinking addiction is, all over no, place. it's okay. But part of my reason for thinking that addiction is a choice is also partly the way that the medical field likes to make money off of shit. Mm. And if addiction is a disease that needs to be solved with more medication that I can give you, right? Like if I can give you methadone, right? So if I can give you methadone to cure your disease of addiction by making you addicted to this other thing, I'm just legally making money off of you now. And, And if anybody thinks that the medical field is not fucking rigged to do that shit, challenge, come on the show, we'll talk about it. And I've had doctors on here that I've talked about it with, but it's fucking rigged. And the, the truth of the matter for me is every time somebody starts smoking cigarettes, 
100% of the time, there's only one reason. Mm. You know what it is? Stress. To be cool. Yeah. You know, you're right. That's why I started when 100% I was a kid. 100% of people that Fuck smoke off, a cigarette is to be cool. That's how good they were back then in That's marketing. That's right. That's to, it. To, to, yeah. There is no other reason to so smoke a cigarette other than to be cool. Yeah. And I don't care if you go, no, I did it because fuck my parents. You're That's right. you being cool. You're right. Or well, no, I did that it. One. 100%. 100% of people smoke cigarettes to be cool. For sure. Right. In the beginning. Absolutely. Right. 100%. Then they get a di- then their their body or needs to fit it. In or their body craves it. But to fit in means you're being cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. To fit in I'll is give you that. I, is to be cool. So let me say that you you, you haven't you don't disagree that addiction is real. But I agree that it, your body gets addicted to substances or activities. However, it is a choice for you to start it and it is a choice for you to stop it. So do you Zero believe people get help with addiction before wanting help with addiction? Do you believe there is a difference in our brain chemistry or structure? What what is so why can somebody sniff cocaine and go to work the next day and never try it again and the next guy lack of sniff trauma. Lack of trauma. There's a certain piece of trauma. I mean, I know brothers that come from the same household, but they same don't have, genetics. But they don't experience life the same way. <laughs> I'm just, I'm, I'm, right. you know. But nobody experiences the same thing the same way as anybody else. Yeah. That's why there's your side, my side, and the truth. And I'm not convinced right? anymore after TikTok that, you know, your reality and the laws and rules in your reality are the same in They're my not. reality that I experience every They're day. Not. Because is it the Higgs look experiment at, at, that's already you, proven? If you look at, just look at the police, right? You look at a, a lower income neighborhood versus the suburbs. Mm. When you're in a suburb, when the police come, everybody comes outside. It's okay. It's safe now. Come outside. Mm. When you're in a low income neighborhood whether it's brown or white trailer park or ghetto or whatever it is that's lower income the police come what does everybody do go inside shut the doors it's not safe why is that because that's what they're taught because there was a period in time when it wasn't safe when the cops come for low income and it may not be still i don't live in low income so i don't know the answer i have to i have to believe that based on what i'm hearing that it's still that's still the narrative when the cops come, it's not safe. Go inside, shut the door, lock the door. But when you're in a suburb and the cops come, it's, oh, the cops are here. It's safe. We can come outside. Well, it's programming. Right. It's programming. Right. Programming. But right? where so, does it start? So every, and my point in that is, is that everybody experiences something differently in every circumstance. So when you have two siblings that are raised in the same house, it didn't start the same for them and it didn't end the same for them. So your younger brother had it a lot easier and a lot different than you did if you were in the same house because he watched you and he watched your choices and he watched your path and he went, I'm not going to do that, just like I did. I watched my older siblings make bad choices and get in lots of trouble and end up in mental hospitals or hospital situations or therapy, and I went, fuck that noise. I don't want any of that shit. I'm just going to stay away from that, right? And you can chalk it up to I'm the only biological one, so – it, but they did. They had childhood trauma that I didn't have. Mm. They were neglected for the first two years of their lives or first 14 years of their lives, depending on which sibling we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Right. So just because they come into my home where it's a loving home doesn't mean that their trauma doesn't exist. Right. But, but it's, trauma is the core. So, yes, does your body get addicted to substances once you're doing them? Yes. But what I'm saying is it's up to you to figure out why you needed them in the first place. 
And if you can't figure that out on your own, you need to see a professional, mm. right? And most people can't figure it out on their own because they're stuck. Yeah. There are very few people that are going to look at themselves and go, I'm the problem. Well, the subconscious is a tricky area, you know, right. and self, ego, all these things, which I only gained perspective of through hallucinogens and using drugs, you know, which finally broke my ego and let me see myself for who I was, so what I was, was doing years ago, you know, before I went right, to prison. So I would argue that you're still, for lack of a better word, you're, you're, you're still lying to yourself a little bit. Okay. Right. I, I can respect your because people. elaborate. What do you, I'm what, going about, to about what exactly? So you're saying that you don't have an ego, but you're also saying two years ago you did coke three times when you were sober and you damaged a bunch of rela relationships. Mm -hmm. So I argue that you're, you're lying to yourself in the fact that you don't have the perspective and you don't have the lack of ego that you think you have. I'm when I look at your TikTok, because that's the only reference I have yeah, of no, you, please, I, some of I it can comes... Take it. No, no, I'm, I'm not like... I get it. I can take it too. Feel free to dish. But my thing is, is when I look at your TikTok, a lot of it comes from trauma mm. and ego and not confidence in perspective. Okay. Right? And you have a decent following on there. Like you got what, 14,000 followers? Something like that. Right? So, which is pretty good. Like, like that's enough to, to make you feel like you have a voice and you have sure, yeah. need and, and matter. And, and people relate to, yeah. It definitely yeah. enough to feed the ego. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. And, that's, and, that's, and we all have an ego. We just have to decide how we're going to use it. Right. And then you have to go, OK, is this my ego or am I being confident? And then you have to make that decision of like, oh, this is. And the difference is mm -hmm. ego comes from a place of insecurity. Ego comes from a place of fear. I have to protect myself. So I'm going to make myself look bigger and stronger or smarter or better. So I may have to lie to do that or I may have to embellish a little bit or I may have to, you know, holding my camera up here versus right here. This right here is ego. This right here is confidence, okay. right? Because this gets rid of my chin and makes me look thin. This is just me talking to somebody I mean, the way I need to talk. It's a perspective. It's I, a perspective, I, right? And there's a difference between perception and perspective. So perspective is the reality of what's actually happening. Mm -hmm. And perception is the way that I feel things are happening. And I think that you still live a lot in your perception of things because you haven't dealt with your trauma yet. Well, I struggle a little bit with the difference between what people tell me is real and what I believe is real. Sure. You That's know? perception um, and perspective. So I, I struggle. Uh, I'm trying to manifest my absolute dreams. You know, I'm not, I'm not aiming for, you know, a typical nine to five life. So what is your dream? Yeah. I want to travel the world day trading from five star hotels. I want to, you know, see the world. <laughs> so ready for this question? Mm. Why? Uh, because I don't know where my home is. You know, I have never felt anywhere like, this is where I want to be. This is where I want to settle down. I'm searching for my purpose, my family. Um, so, you know. I'm going to ask you the same two questions okay. again. I want you to listen to your answers. Okay. Really listen to yourself. <laughs> okay? Yeah. What's your dream? My dream is to be free. Truly. You know. Free from what? The matrix. You know, a nine to five, you know, bills, control, you know, um, I don't want to have to follow anybody else's rules. I don't want to. I don't want okay. anybody to tell me what I can and can't do, when I can and can't do it. So, why? Because I, you know, I want to help a lot of people. You know that I care about. Here's here's what it comes down to, right? 
So did, most, you hear, did you hear the difference in your two dreams? Most people, I f- go ahead. You had two different dreams. What do you mean? Your first dream was to travel the world and day trade Which from is five to star be hotels. Free. That is, that's a that, version. That's being free. There's also a version of freedom where you're just walking on a hike by yourself, and then you go home to your dog and your wife and your kids, and you're free to make your own choices and live your own life your own way. Mm. That, so there's, there are different versions of freedom. And it's okay if that's your version of freedom, but that's why I ask why. Yeah. Right? Because your why became because I don't know I don't know where my home is. Mm. Well, it's you told me what asked me what my dream. My dream is right. to start traveling so that I can find my home, you know. I don't I don't okay. know where so that then is. Define home. Hmm. Tropical, number one. No, no. <laughs> define home. Define home. What feels like home? I couldn't tell you. That's what so I'm that's searching for. That's where you have to start. Mm. You're saying tropical and you're saying the physical, mm. but the physical isn't home. Mm. Home is a feeling. Is it? Home is comfort. Home is ease. Home is safe. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't know. I've never had right. a home. Right. And that's where the trauma begins for you. And because how many times do you tell yourself huh. or ask yourself, what's the point? You're going to charge me at the end of this one? No, sir. I'm not a therapist. <laughs> Listen, I, I, I go ahead. What well, was how the many times before you used drugs or before you made a bad choice, were you asking yourself the day before, the week before, the moments before, what's the point? You couldn't tell me. In active addiction, and, and here's where I struggle to articulate to you the difference between who I am now and, and who I was then. Sure. Um. In active addiction, you know, there is no such thing as logic or right and no, wrong. I, I mean, not. I can't explain the, the, the you know, it, and it takes all and, and it comes out of nowhere. I didn't wake up one no, day. No, addiction is emotional. Yeah. It's emotional, but it still comes from somewhere. And I'm not talking about in the middle of your, your addiction. I'm talking about at the beginning. Mm. At the beginning, there's a point where we go, People that are depressed, people that are sad, people that are struggling with mental health, people that are struggling with trauma, ask themselves, well, fuck, what's the point? I can't get up anyways. I can't win anyways. No matter what I do, I lose. Mm. I'm just going to end up like my old man anyway. My mom doesn't love me. She doesn't care. It's hard to overcome that. You 20 know. years old, you, you lose your mother who had animosity towards you for those six years. Mm. Right? Like you had your mom without your dad. For six years. Mm-hmm. And in those six to eight years that you had your mom, she had animosity towards you. And then you lost her forever. Yeah, forever. Forever. You know? Like, you never get to go back to her and 20, say. 20 years it took me to be able to, to say that or have that without tears. You know, right. Coming. But, you, but you never get to go back and, and have a conversation with her to get understanding or to even just say, Ma, this was some bullshit. Like you, like you, you put this on me before I had a chance to even become a person. But you realize at some point, every man, human realizes that life isn't fair. You know, life is not fair. But I can understand the perspective. But as an adult, you can make that decision. As an adult, you can start to realize that. But at 20 years old, I argue that you're not a full adult yet. You're not processing that information yet. So life being unfair at 20 is way different than life being unfair at 40. And life I, being unfair at 20, life being unfair at 12 is way different than 20. And I do think it's true. I've heard doctors reference, you know, when, when you start using drugs, whatever age, you know, 
our brains stop developing. Well, I think it's, I don't know if it's a frontal lobe, but, and I can say that what I, for sure, because when I went to prison and was sober, you know, for that amount of time, I don't know how long it took a year, two years for whatever chemistry to balance out. But I would say it takes, you know, even longer, you know, so for, here's, here's what I believe. Hmm. I believe that your you your your emotional growth stops when you start using. Yeah, I agree. It's not your actual brain development because you're still intellectual and you're still learning, but you're you're hindering the process of learning. But it's your, when you're it's your emotional existence, your EQ, not your IQ that gets stunted. And when your EQ gets stunted, you lose the ability to communicate with people, you lose the the ability to connect with people. You lose the ability to make rational judgments and decisions. You lose the ability to have a full understanding of emotion and why you feel the way you do and what's causing you to feel the way you do. And if you come from a place where you have parents that don't understand their own emotional existence, and then you're in this place where you're searching for it, then you're going to be lost and it's going to be very difficult. And that's what's stunted. Mm. So this is where addiction is about emotion and it's about mental health and the mental health is real. The mental health issue is a real issue Mm. that needs to be the subject, not the addiction. Stop trying to cure people from addiction and start helping people solve their mental health. Yeah. Start helping people understand why they need an outlet that's so dangerous for them and the people around them. That's the people that do drugs and people that kill themselves are self-involved. Mm. And and I'm not judging them for it. And I'm not mad at them for needing to feel that way. I, like that, that's a real feeling. Well, I know a, a good friend of mine, a mentor of mine, you know, his father, you know, this, and he's older than me. So his father, I think was in his sixties. We'll yeah. say mid sixties, you know, got got a surgery done he he died later in life of addiction i'm using you know but he became a full-on you know opiate addict you know from prescription pills as you know a 65 year old you, you know and and it wasn't you know the son breaking into the father's house and stealing it was the other way around you know and and so it doesn't i, I don't i don't know how you explain that at 65 years in in at 65 you know already retired how you become a drug addict at that point in your life if you know if it's not something in your brain well it's you can like if i go to a doctor and they prescribe me oxy Mm. and i keep taking oxy and they keep upping the dose because of breakthrough pain that's just that's still a choice i'm still making the choice to go to the doctor and take the meds but i'm taking them from somebody that trust that i trust it's no different than a kid who's 15 years old who he looks up to the guy down the street that says, hey, man, try this. It's cool. So you try it because it's cool, and you trust that person that they're going to help you be cool. Like, if I have pain and I go to the doctor and they say, take these, it'll help, and then I say, doc, I'm still in pain, and he goes, take more, then, yes, my body is going to need that substance, or I'm going to get sick, and I'm going to hurt more. I'm not saying that that piece is not real. What I'm saying is is you have to make the choice to listen to your body and say, this shit's not good for me, right? And that's super hard for people that didn't deal with the trauma. Mm. I'm not saying that somebody who's in the fucking pit of depression, anxiety, self-loathing, mental health, schizophrenia, bipolar, 
all of these things compiled and then the drugs being added to that mix that that's not a good mix yeah right it but the addiction piece is a choice and it's a hard choice it's a hard choice to get out of but it's the mental health that's the disease mm. that's the part that's not the choice that's the part that we're not talking about and that's the part where we're in the system's fucking broken what we already talked about from the beginning it's not set up for you to understand that you have trauma that you have to deal with mm. so you don't fall back on the drugs or fall back into the same pattern that's going to lead to more drug addiction or alcoholism. What's happening is we have a system that makes money off of solutions, not resolving a problem. Of course. Right? So as long as the system is designed in a way to say, oh, just take this or oh, just do this pill, if I can label addiction as a disease, then I can medicate it. And if I can medicate it, I can make money off of it. And if we never resolve the, tra the trauma or the mental health, they'll constantly be addicted. So they'll constantly need to either get subsidies or be on the wagon or be hooked on something that I can make money off of. Whether the government's paying me for it or they're directly paying me for it, I'm going to keep making money if I label it a disease. Right. The disease is the mental health. So there is a difference that we can see. We can physically in an MRI see the difference in a person who is not an addict to a person who's got an addicted brain. They can physically see the difference. So the question becomes, so then, is it trauma that changes? Trauma can change your brain absolutely. chemistry as well. Yes, the question is, are we born as addicts? Or is it something, is it, you know, and, and nobody can answer that so question. So I'm not a doctor. So I, I, but based on my life experience and based on my, the people that I have talked to, and I've, I've traveled the country, I've talked to thousands of people, I have siblings, I have friends, I have family, I have, and this is something that I've dove deep into mm -hmm. for an understanding because my childhood trauma is related to my sibling's addiction. It's not related to my parents. It's not related to anything else. It's related to directly to being 10, 11 years old and watching the people that I love fall apart. Mm. That's my trauma. So does it And I also was born with bipolar and ADHD, which I wasn't diagnosed until my late 20s. Mm. So I have all of these other pieces and and it, that's to nobody's fault that I wasn't diagnosed. I was born in 79. It wasn't really like a big thing to look for and again compared to my siblings I was pretty fucking well off, like based on mental health. Like I wasn't falling apart. I had, I was addicted to sports. I was addicted to, to, to just violence. I was fucking fiercely addicted to violence. I played football. I wrestled and I fought constantly. I get it. I was addicted to that shit. So you but can, that's what you kept can me understand out. and relate because I, I'm the same way. I can get addicted to driving fat. You know, yeah. and it's 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 the it's, dopamine. It's, it's it's a dopamine hit. But it's the choice. Mm. I don't do violence anymore because I choose not to be violent. Right. That doesn't mean when I go into a fucking absolute rage, I don't want to put my hand through a wall or smash your fucking head in. So what did it take for you to get to that point where you finally were able to consciously make the decision? So I went to therapy. Okay. I went to a psychiatrist and got diagnosed. They put me on meds and I hated it. And because I hated it, I created my own program called the Evolutions Program to help people okay. understand their ego 
and understand their trauma in a very different way than doctors are doing it. So you don't treat your bipolar with uh, no medication. I, I, I it, my heart feel. I love to hear that because I feel like I use my own system of language. Okay. So that's why I say perception and perspective. But it started with you understanding it yourself. It started with me learning myself and understanding where my trauma. And I still go to therapy weekly now. You know, and it, I have a weekly therapy appointment now that I go to just to make sure that I'm talking to somebody that has an outside perspective that I trust and know mm. that can be like, because I'll go to her and I'll be like, look, I feel like I'm busy as shit, but I don't know if everybody's busy like this. So let, and she'll be like, all right, well, run down your, your week for me. And I'll pull out my calendar and be like, I'm doing all these things. And she'll go, yeah, you're fucking busy, bro. Like, that's busy. That's busy for anybody. If, if so I'm, I get it. If I'm being honest with you, something I need to make a priority is having my own mental health looked yes, into more. You, you know, by a professional. My, if you want to stay true, sober, you need to work on your childhood I, trauma. I, I will tell you, your, I've your tried. Health. It's not as easy as just looking up a psychiatrist no, in not. a phone book. And I, no, you know, you I've given find... up a few different times trying to find somebody that actually cares about their profession enough to help me. You know? Sure. And uh, so that that is something that I will give you. I'll admit, you know, and those that are close to me, they know and they push for it. You know, I've been told I'm antisocial. I met, you know, I'm told I'm, you know, all these things. And I'm sure at some point I am. I'm I think we're all a little bipolar at some point, if I'm being Maybe. honest with you, you know, and the question becomes, is it is it diet that's affecting our brain chemicals? Is it is it? The lack of sunlight, a vitamin there's, D deficiency. There's, there's of, so many things because we're so all many different. What ifs that mm. we don't know the answer to. Yeah. So the only thing you can do is deal with yourself, mm. right? So that's what my program that I created for me and then started to share with people was designed for. Okay. It, it's understanding how to live effectively. How do I become the most effective person I can be? Which means the past doesn't exist anymore. It's already gone, and the future is not real. I can't get to it. Yeah. Every time I try to get to the future, it's the now. So as soon as I start understanding that I only can live in the now and I can change things now, right now, to affect my world, that's how I took control. Mm. When I get caught up in the past, I get really depressed and I get really sad and I get really upset that I'm 43 years old and I'm not where I thought I would be or where I wanted to be or where I was going or where I was su supposed to be, right? And then when I start thinking about the future, I start thinking about, oh, well, I could do this or I could do it. And I get really excited and I get really amped and I get really manic. But then all of a sudden it's like, well, I can't do all those things. And then I have to look at the past as to why I can't do those things in the future. And now I'm not even here in the moment mm. in a safe place by myself. I have a, a lot of the same philosophies. So then nobody around me is safe because I'm manic. One minute I'm fucking super sad because I'm thinking about yesterday. Mm. The, the proverbial yesterday of all the yesterdays. And one minute I'm super amped because I'm thinking about all the things I can do tomorrow. And I'm, it's a fucking roller coaster so that nobody should have to deal with. What helps you stay in the moment and being mindful? For me, it's about breathing. It's about meditation in moments. It's about understanding that when I start thinking about the past, I have to, I have to check myself. I have to go, that's not real. Like that, whatever my memory is, it's not real because it's already gone. And like I, I can't do anything about it. I, I can't do anything with it. I only ask because you related to anger and, and aggression. And I ask because for me personally, I'll be mindful 99% yeah. of the day, you know, thoughtful, giving them the, the benefit yeah, yeah. of the doubt and perspective until the, the second that I'm not 
yeah. and I and I become emotional, but for some reason, I even when I catch myself in that emotional state, I still need a, a physical so release. I have, so I have five core habits okay. that will make you the most effective version of yourself, and I'll teach you all about them if you want to hear them. Yeah. It's really long, but we don't have to do it here. But I have five core habits, right? Self-awareness. It all starts with self-awareness. Personal perspective, empathic understanding, effective giving, win-win. Hmm. Self-awareness is me understanding how I feel. Okay. Right now, in this moment, how do I feel? Your feelings are valid. You're, right. you're, My feelings are always it, valid. Yeah. So how do I feel right now? Personal perspective is understanding that my personal feelings don't matter in this situation to get what I want. Right? Mm -hmm. So what's the reality of what's actually happening? So now once I understand what's really happening, I can empathically understand. Empathically understand means I think about how you must be feeling in this circumstance. Yeah. Right? How must they be feeling if this is what's actually happening? What might they be thinking about and what might it be making them feel in this moment? Now, once I understand, have an understanding of that, effective giving. Okay. Effective giving means I can effectively give to your emotional feelings to make you feel better. If I can make you feel better, then and only then, it's a win-win because we can both get what we want. Hmm. The only way to get something long-term from somebody is by making them feel good. So the more often I can make people feel good, the more often I'll get what I want. That makes sense. It's also about understanding healthy relationships. This, it's very complex what I go through mm -hmm. daily to stay on track. I got you. So whenever I have a relationship with somebody, you and I now have a relationship. You and I have met. We are conversating. We have a relationship. What's the most important thing in any healthy relationship? Communication. Wrong. Trust. Wrong. I don't know. The most important thing in any healthy relationship is the other person. Okay. What you need and what you want from me changes moment to moment. It might be communication. It might be affection. It might be trust. It might be honesty. It might be, there's a million things it might be moment to moment. And I have to be prepared to understand moment to moment what you need from me. Okay. The most important thing in any healthy relationship is the other person. The most important person in the world is me. Do you get the difference in that? And what that means is, is if you're doing something to harm me, if you're doing something to hurt me or damage my world, then you're not a healthy relationship. You no longer matter. You are no longer the most important thing in this relationship because it's not healthy anymore. You've damaged it. So what you're saying is at the end of the day, you're the most important, but does it ever become an issue putting somebody else's needs before your own? No, because as long as it's a relationship that's healthy, mm -hmm. as long as you're not taking stuff from me that I don't want to give you and you're not damaging my world, like if you keep lying to me, cheating on me, stealing from me, breaking my trust, then this isn't a healthy relationship. So I have to, in order for me to maintain my mental health, I have to have healthy relationships. So anybody that's not healthy has to go. Mm -hmm. Because if you trigger me, you're not healthy. Right. Which means I'm going to fucking freak out on you someday. Which means I'm going to go back, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to digress back into violence. Mm. That's where I'm going to go. And I can't go there. 
So I don't want to go there. Prote- you protecting your energy. I'm protecting my energy and myself by me being the most important person in the world, but the most important thing in a healthy relationship is the other person. Right. So it's all of these different pieces that I put together to help me daily understand. So, like, I'll yell at Tyler at work. He's my employee. Mm-hmm. I'll get fucking frustrated at something. I'll get triggered. I'll yell at him for no fucking reason mm-hmm. other than I was triggered. Right. And I'll walk away and I'll go, what the fuck is wrong with you? And I'll immediately go back in and go, dude, I was out of line. I'm sorry. But I did not mean to do that. You're the bigger person and admit when you're wrong. You take responsibility. Right, but that's part of ego versus confidence. Right. My ego got hurt. My ego struck out and lashed out at something. And it's up to me to choose to do better. It's up to me to understand, oh, my God, this is a healthy relationship that I have with Tyler. I, I love this dude. Mm-hmm. And if I want him to stay in my life and understand that he matters to me, I have to, I have to make the decision to fix what I just did. Correct. And for me, there's a, like, I define everything. So there's a difference between sorry and apology. Sorry is, is what you say to somebody when you don't give a shit. Apology is creating a resolution to what you did, right? Like, oh, man, I'm really sorry. I, did, I fucked up. That's not is way apology. different than, hey, man, what I did was out of line, and I'm going to work really hard not to do that again. And if you see me going there, I'm going to need you to call me out. And I'm going to respect you calling me out on it because I don't want to be that person in this relationship. And you have, to, you have to have the confidence to say that to the people you love. And you have to have the confidence to know that you mean it and believe it. Yeah, for sure. And the thing that I tell my daughter all the time is trust is like a glass, like an actual glass, okay. right? It's really fragile. And you don't get a new one. In every relationship, you get one glass, okay? Every relationship is one glass. And if you break that trust, hmm. no matter how much you break it, you can shatter it, you can chip it, you have to be the one to put it back together. And if that takes you 10 years to put all those pieces of that glass back together the way it was, then it's up to you to decide if it's that important to you for this person to trust you again. That's a really good analogy, actually. I, I, I like the way you describe that. And I want to say, to relate to what you're trying to articulate, I... I made mistakes early in recovery because of ego alone. I thought because I wasn't getting high, I had a good job, I had a brand new car, you know, I felt that gave me the right to act better than people. And and not like strangers, you know, just certain people in my life that, you know, I, I took for granted at the time and had certain resentments towards. And I felt that gave me the justification to do the things I did. and. Now that I've, you know, hurt people and, and had the epiphany and had to deal with the emotions and the, the repercussions in sobriety, not being able to, to drink my way out of it and make it worse or to, you know, I have a lot of work to do. You know, yeah, removing you drugs was only step one. And that's one of the reasons I'm here. And it's one of the reasons I enjoy TikTok and interacting with people because I get the perspective, you know, of somebody who's going to give it to me straight. You know, sometimes your friends or your family or somebody who has a perspective they have, they're not going to be as honest with you, you know, or or they may stroke your ego a little bit to to sort sure. of protect it. But um well they also think that they're helping sometimes by stroking that ego or mm. they they think that they're building your confidence 
And what they're doing is they're feeding the demon. Mm. They're, they're making you f- false confident, which is your ego. And they're feeding it. One of the other things that I hate about a lot of the sobriety stuff is, is the word humble. Mm. I think it's a terrible word to give to people that are having ego issues. Mm. So humble basically means to lower yourself so other people feel better. The word that I want people to start using is poise. Hmm. Poise means that I have balance and that we're equal. So when I started, like a lot of people would yell at me and be like, man, you're a dick. You need to humble yourself. Hmm. And I'd be like, fuck you, dude. I don't need to be humble. Hmm. It's not my fault you don't feel good. That's not on me. That's ego. Hmm. Yeah. When I have poise and somebody goes, man, you need to humble yourself. I go, really? I, I'm not better than you. Like, I don't, I, I'm literally not better than you, bro. Like, we both live our lives the way, the worst thing that ever happened to me is just the worst thing that ever happened to me. Right. And the worst thing that ever happened to you is the worst thing that ever happened to you. That's the only perspective we have. And it so affects we, us equally, you know. Correct. So, just because I may have a perspective of the situation right. you went through doesn't mean that that situation didn't harm you emotionally right. as much as mine did. So, I understand what yeah. you're saying, but unfortunately... A lot of people are unable to take perspective, you know, and sometimes in the sure. heat of the moment, it's myself included, you know, and, and I forget often. But so. that's but that's the work. Mm. Right. And that's the work for guys that have and girls that have mental health issues. The work isn't about the addiction. The work is about the mental health. Mm. And if we can help people understand their trauma and understand that it's mental health, not addiction, that's their problem. That's when they'll start to win. Your problem is an addiction. Mm. Your problem is mental health. No, I'm an addict too. Well, <laughs> yeah, but you're an addict Listen, because of the mental health. No, you're I, an addict I, I, because I'm not saying that I don't have mental health issues right. because I'm crazy. I I 100% have mental health issues. Those who know me, they'll agree. But I'm, what I'm saying is, I, I I'm not convinced they're not two different issues. You know, just because I do have mental health issues doesn't mean that I'm not also an addict. And I, and I only say that because I've noticed certain behaviors that I have, you know, that I'll get with food, that I'll get with certain things. And sure. it's, it's, it's not drugs. You know, the drugs are, is a are a symptom. I believe that there is a personality trait that allows people to become more addicted mm-hmm. more easily. But that does not take away from the fact that the root of it is some sort of mental health. Like, I understand your thought process I, where it, it allows a whole market to be created and, and, and products to be sold. And I understand. And it also, I feel it does give a lot of people an excuse or, you know, this, oh, I'm, in, you know, so I get, I get that. But I'm not here to defend or deny either one of those. I'm just trying to offer my perspective. Sure. And uh, what if, what if you rephrased it for yourself? And this is just ahead. a what if. Yeah, yeah. What if you said, I'm an addict because of my mental health? What if you started thinking of it from that perception, from that perspective? If you started saying to yourself, yes, I mean, I'm an addict, but I'm an addict because of my mental health. It doesn't matter yeah. why or how. It does know? matter why, though. But what, what, Well, you're right. It, it, I want to get to the point, uh, to, to a point where you, I'm in a position to, I want to motivate people you know i want people to be able to look at me and especially those that really know where i'm from and what i've been through to look at me and say fuck if this guy can do it why can't i because i have people right this minute that are 
dying on the street, you know, with a fucking needle in their arm. And I can't tell them nothing. I don't know what to do for them. You know, I don't know how to, because I don't know at what point I finally made the choice to stop using. And, and, and here's because I struggle with this. I just woke up one day and God answered my prayers. I didn't want to use drugs anymore. And I don't know why. I can't explain yeah, you to you. what you just said? I didn't <laughs> want to use drugs anymore. Yeah. If I woke up one day. The day before Sometimes that, that takes. Yeah. But sometimes that's all it takes. Mm, it is all. Sometimes it's one day you it. wake up and you say, I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah. But that's, I don't know how I got there. I can't tell you do A, B, and C. You know, it. it I prayed right, and but, I, I asked for but help. But you're also only there as long as you want to be there. You could wake up tomorrow and be like, fuck it, I want to use. Oh, in a heartbeat, you know. Right? And I, and you could wake up in, in, in a second and I you have could just tools. be like, you could be driving home tonight and be like, fuck, that was intense. <laughs> I need to fucking cut the edge. I'll tell you something. I'm at the point where I'm so far. I go to the bar now and drink non-alcoholic beers. I can be the designated drink. And people tell me it's risky behavior. I'm on it. Listen, if I want to drink, if I want to use, I'm going to go and drink. I'm exactly. going to use. Nobody's going to stop me. Nobody's going to. So I like the atmosphere. So can I, you hear what you just said there? Go ahead. I, you said nobody's going to stop me if I want to drink or if I want to do drugs, I'm going to, which makes it a choice. It, I'm not saying it's not a choice. But this is what I'm telling you, bro. It's a choice. It's more than a choice. But you keep proving my point I over know, and I'm over again. I'm fucking mad about and it, too. I'm so, I was convinced I was going to come here and change your and mind, but you got me on the rope. Like, but it's, man, this guy. it's more than a choice because of your mental health issues. Yeah. It's more than a choice because of your ADD. Mm. ADD causes impulse issues. Yeah. You have impulsivity issues, yeah, which means sure. you see something that looks fucking cool and fun, you go, I'm going to go do that. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to go jump off that building. Yeah, that looked fucking awesome. Yeah, yeah. That's ADD. Mm-hmm. That's a mental health issue. Mm. And, Every, I, and you yeah. have proven my point over and over again I, that you keep saying, I wanted to not do it. Yeah. If I want to do it, I will. If I, I want, stop like, talking I, so I much. Want, I made I his want, point. I want. Right? Yeah. And I love that you're, that you're here having this conversation. I love that you're getting new perspective on it. Because it's going to help you in the long run. I, and it's going to help you do what you are saying you want to do. It's going to help you help other people when you can look at them and say, hey, man, you can't get help until you want help. So my impulse control contributes a lot to my drug use and my addiction. You yes. know, my addictions. I yes. have a lot of friends who don't suffer. For, you know, I, I have a lot of, I would say all, all my friends at one point were addicts. You know, I have genuine true relationships now with people which you know i work at and communicate and i make mistakes you know but as far as the relationships that i still have the people in active addiction you know um i i don't know they had i i would be considered a dual diagnosis you know mm-hmm. whereas a lot of them you know only suffer from you know, using issues or, or or whatever i don't they're not as fucking crazy well, as crazy as i am yet. but I, I don't I don't know for sure, you know, that that it's just a choice, man. I I, I can't say. But, but you've already said multiple times that if you want to, you in will. In that specific instance. Right, but in know. general, it's a choice. And if we look at it from – so, like, I wasn't diagnosed with bipolar until I was way into my 20s, until I was almost 30, okay? But I remember very specifically as a kid raging out over little shit. And, like, nobody was around, so 
like I remember trying like I had goats as a kid. I was like twelve or thirteen years old and I had goats. Where are you going with this? And I was trying to put the gate I was trying to put the gate up by myself and screw the screws into the hinges of the gate mm. by myself. And when I couldn't do it and it kept falling apart, I fucking raged out and I smashed the entire grate into a thousand pieces. Because you needed that release. Because I I raged out and it was bipolar. It was me freaking the fuck out because something wouldn't go my way. Do you? S- and I did that all the way through my 20s, which is why my career didn't go as well as it could have, because I would rage out when things didn't go my way. Mm. I had no control. I had no ability to calm down when something wasn't going the way I had it planned. When a plan does not go the way I have it planned, I fucking lose my mind. Mm. So now I have to go into something knowing that it may not go my way. And when I go into it knowing it may not go my way is the only way that I can keep my cool. Hmm. Well, because I have clients now that, and I have people that used to be clients that would tell me, oh, I don't want to do it that way. I want to do it this way. Or, oh, I don't want to do this. I want to do that. And I'd be like, well, that's not how it works. Like, this is, this is the path. Like, if you do this, this is what works. It's proven. Well, we have this idea. And, and, and knowing that I have to deal with other people and knowing that I have to deal with personalities is what helps me not rage out. Right. Having a daughter has like I have to go into every conversation with my daughter knowing that it may not go my way mm. because she's a kid and she's a teenager and like you're only going to get so far I'm only going to get so far so I have lots of conversations and I talk a lot which is now why we have a podcast because mm-hmm. I don't know how to shut the fuck up so like <laughs> like you know what I mean like I love these conversations I love talking to you but if you can come to the conclusion that every time we've talked about your addiction you have used the word want, hmm. which makes it a direct choice. And every time we've talked about why you started doing drugs, it came back to mental health. Hmm. And the reason why you struggle isn't because of the addiction. It's because of the mental health. So where do we go from here, Doc? Now, I listen, I, 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 I understand what you're saying. Now, whether or not you led me down a path to, to say those things so that you could, you know, use them. I, I, I get the point you're making because we make choices every day. Everything's a choice. Absolutely. You can articulate anything to be in a choice. Um, but yes and no. Cancer's not a choice. Parkinson's not a choice. Okay. Bipolar's not a choice. Okay. Right? Like, those are not choices. You're Your right. blue eyes can be a choice, but you're born with them, so they're not. I right, just, you can get contacts. And I just saw a colors. thing. Anybody with brown eyes can get that burned off. There's blue under the brown in your eye. You know? Is that real? Yeah, I, never heard I, of that. I don't know, but um, there's a new that's treat. funny. So, no, I, I started to get. Yeah, I'm deflecting to be yeah, honest. Yeah, you are you. deflecting, <laughs> but that's okay because so, again, this is so. This is an opportunity of ego, right? Me, you coming here. So let me ask you this: at, at what point, as a teenager, when I was using marijuana, you know, as a release or an escape, you know, how? At what point was it a choice, you know, to become addicted to to drugs and to go down that road rather than what? Like when did what was the first? So you're what did you do after marijuana? What was the first drug you tried? MDMA. And why did you try it? Because it was there. I don't. Who had it? I don't. An older girl. An older girl. Yeah. Were you trying to sleep with her? Yeah. Yeah. For sure. That's so you were trying to be cool. That's all. All I wanted so to, to do cool. was chase girls for you know right thirty six years. And a girl you wanted to touch was doing this drug. I plead the fifth. 
No, yeah. So I right. So and there's something to be said about. And then you, the reason why you chased girls was probably because you needed affection and attention. Yeah, for sure. You needed to feel love. You know, I and you and you defined that the way that you defined that. We all define it a different way. Some of us define it in a very healthy way, and some of us define it in a very unhealthy way. And for years, I defined it in a very unhealthy way because I have two parents that loved each other more than fucking life. Like it's like that's part of my trauma too. The amount my parents love each other should be fucking illegal. They are they are legitimately that in love, and I love that for them. But that is a lot. Yeah. To have to go into life going, oh, I have to find somebody to love me that much. Right. That's gonna be impossible. So you you I will say this: you have given me a perspective that I didn't think I would have. You know, I I do think you know you have some. You're right. Maybe you know. Fuck. I don't say that that often, you know, but, um, you know, at some point I do think though, the choice, the choice ends up being removed, you know, um, when, when you factor in the brain chemistry and, and certain, certain characteristics, you know, weed is one thing, but when you factor in, you know, an opiate that your body physically becomes dependent on, I'm not saying that you can't become addicted to something. I'm saying addiction is a choice. And now I'm genuinely curious to know and whether or not, you know, I have a diseased brain that I was born with or that it was diseased by trauma. You know, I, I wouldn't. I, I wouldn't look at your mental health as I, I don't like the word disease, mm. but it is accurate, I guess. You were born with ADD mm. or ADHD, whichever. Like that's a real They're disorder. slightly different. I, you know. That's a real disorder. So. And that's a real mental health disorder. And you might have other mental health issues in there. But ADD alone, coupled with childhood trauma, coupled with losing your mother at 20 years old, mm. that's a lot for a dude to handle. Oh, for sure. And then lose. how old were you when your dad died? 34. Okay. So, so it happened two weeks before I got out of prison. Okay. So. Jesus. So he died while you were in prison? Yeah. yeah. More trauma. So, so this yeah. is what I'm saying, dude. It, this is all mental health stuff. Mm. Stay like you're sober right now, and the only way you can stay sober is to choose it. You only can, if you want to be sober, you will know. be. If I use, I'll die. You yes, know, it's 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 life or death at this point because I know, and, and this is why I started using medical marijuana because I knew at the time I wasn't strong enough. I didn't have a strong enough, you know, uh, foundation. I didn't have any any community or you know people helping me out. I I was taking the bus grinding, you know, and. And I'm not going to get all into my whole story, but I made a lot of mistakes along the way, yeah, you know, yeah. and so, but the one, the one mistake I didn't make was drink or use drugs, you know, uh, why well, that's a lie. You know, I use cocaine, but I didn't use opiates, you know, and I have been clean since before COVID, um, as clean as medical marijuana is considered, you know, in the rooms, they wouldn't consider me sober. You right. know, um, I don't really give a shit about anybody else's perspective. Um, I've never crashed my car. I've never made a terrible decision or done anything that I regret on marijuana, to be honest with you. Not any single thing that I could think of. Whereas, you know, my best friend is dying of alcoholism every day, like cannot go more than a couple hours without getting the shakes. And I don't know how to help him. You know, you can't. I know. So that's the thing that you have to understand also is that you only can help those that want to be helped. And him being your best friend, that's not helping you. Yeah. That's not a healthy. That's what we were talking about before about healthy relationships. Yeah. 
You may love that dude. Well, I'm realizing I don't have any. A lot of my relationships are were not and are not healthy. You Correct. know, and this is why I. So all have, those glasses that you broke, mm. you have to fix them. Yeah. You have to fix them. Which ones are worth fixing? The healthy ones. You know? Your sister, your yeah. brother. Yeah. They seem like they're healthy people. And it's going to be a long road back before they want you in their life because you're going to have to prove yourself. Yeah. And that's going to take a long time. And that's not going to be money. That's not going to be a house. It's not going to be a car. That's going to be a lifestyle. Mm. It's going to be knowing that your best friend isn't an alcoholic. It's going to be knowing that whoever you're dating is healthy and sober. Yeah. It's going to be knowing that you're in therapy and you're getting the help that you need to get you through the mental health stuff that you have going on so you can stay sober. And I agree 100%. Right? So that's where, that's where all of that starts. It's understanding that, okay, I have broken people that I want to help, but you can't fucking help a single person until you help yourself and you haven't done the work yet. I would, I can't You've say done I, some of I, it. I haven't finished doing the work yet. I'm doing the work right now. Right. You know? So you do this thing where you like to play with words and I appreciate that about you. <laughs> Whereas you, your ego gets in your way of accepting that you haven't done the work My yet. Ego is, so is, you're a construction it's worker, a right? Protection, you you're know, a construction I worker, am. right? What do you do in construction? Framing. Okay. Is the house done when you frame it? No. So is the work done? No. So you've worked on the frame so far of your existence. Mm. The work ain't done, bro, so you haven't done the work. He's good. Yeah, no, you, and you're right. And I'll say this. I, I, I'm nowhere near, you know, complete. But right. I have a good routine. So until I, you're the, complete, you can't help fucking anyone. The only reason I have this podcast and this business I love you for that. is because I did the work. And, and here's my issue. For some reason, it's easier. And it's always been this way. I'm sure a lot of people can relate. But it's easier for me to focus on somebody else's problems and help fix those yeah. than my own. Of course it know? is. So because it's, then it's not about you. Right. When it's about you, it fucking sucks. Because you have to look at all of the things you fucked up. Mm. You have to look at all the relationships you broke. You have to look at all the people you fucked over. You have to look at all the bad choices you made. You have to look at all the sad and all the hurt and all the fucking mess. Mm. In order to get through. The only thing I can tell you about that is you can't fucking do shit about the past. It's gone. Right. You can only live in the now. And you can't look at the future and say my dream is to do this thing or that thing because that shit's not fucking real either. No. Because it, you can't get there. Every moment that we're here trying to get to the future, the next moment is just living in the now. And I agree. That's why I'm here. You know, I could have put this off yeah, for you the next week we, until a good time. I, I came because, you know, I'm not, I, I like to live in the moment. So that was my biggest problem my whole life. I always lived in regret. Oh, why didn't I do this? Or what? I was always constantly living in regret. I never looked at tomorrow. Or, or I would be so anxious about five different things that I would freeze and not be able to do anything. And I can thank TikTok a lot for a lot of the people who are like me with ADHD, a lot of the, you know, certain little tricks and tips and gimmicks and I've I've made tangible money that this has got to be one of the best platforms for meeting how else would we have met you know luckily we happen to be in the same state which yeah. which you wouldn't even have found out had I not recently been to the Subaru dealership over there it was one of right. my recent videos so you know everything a happens for a reason but you know I, I lost my train of thought there so that's all right but so it's it all comes down to understanding that you have a lot of work to do on you mm. and you have to continue to make the choice to be sober. Yeah. And that the issue 
that is the problem is the mental health and the trauma. And addiction is a choice. And you have to make that choice every day. And the best way to do that is to stay in the now. Stop looking at the future. Stop looking at, like, honestly, like, if I were you, I'd stop trading right now. Oh, I haven't traded in, you know, since... I would say before the summer, and it's, I wouldn't. It's on my TikTok. I don't know, but I I, w- I wouldn't. I couldn't. I blew. I, I blew up my account. I I ran out of money. You know, great. And, but I wouldn't because it's not in the moment. It, Trading is about the future. Trading is about understanding. We're like, not. We're not going to go down that road because. But when I tell you the markets and day trading and finance, it, it when I tell you to my bones, like I am so passionate about it, and I've never great. been obsessed in a way. You have to trade. Oh, I, you I can I, still be passionate about something and not be involved. Okay. I love football. Yeah. I don't get my ass on the field no more. Well, you don't have to be in the game to enjoy the game. Right. Have but you right have now, you ever found something that you just knew you were put here to do? Hey, I've been I've, I my whole life. I, I you know, I've heard people say, you know, they had a dream or, you know, they're get I have never my whole I I couldn't tell you. If you would have asked me 2 years ago what my long-term plan was, I was going to start my own painting business because I figured it was low overhead, you know, I I, I wouldn't need to be a carpenter, be a car the, the amount of tools and yep. this, so I'm f- thinking low overhead with paint Whereas now, like I 100% will always be a day trader. You hear me? I just figured it out, unfortunately, the hard way. It cannot be my only revenue stream. Right. It can't. That can't be the only money coming in because then when you're depending on that money alone, the way your emotional attachment to that money changes. When it was, it, it was play money. You know, it was different. But I, like I said, it took me a couple years to realize I was gambling and chasing that. But I have a written strategy. I will never stop day trading. So I didn't say stop uh, forever. Uh, oh, I said stop for now. I, I did. I so my original strategy. I had a night job. Okay, I went in. It allowed me to day trade full time. My attention was on the markets. I sat in from open to close for years, and I worked nights to pay the bills. Um, eventually, some stuff caught up with me from my past wage garnishments. Uh, all of a sudden, one hundred eighty-eight dollars out of my check is coming out, and and I couldn't pay my bills anymore. So I quit impulsively, saying, "All right, this is the universe telling me to trade full time. You're you need to focus on this." Full. Within two weeks, I blew up my account, um, ran out of money, had to close my other platform down because I had about two months worth of my bills covered in that plat. And I and I admitted to myself, I can risk that and maybe pay my bills or maybe not or i can take that out have my bills paid for two months and figure out another plan so that's what i did and uh now i'm doing framing and 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 finish work monday through friday i'm gonna be waiting tables soon down in fairfield um i'm not sure exactly where yet but my my plan is to just fill my my hours up with as much revenue as much income as i can until this is the beginning of a bear market. I keep telling people this. The market is always going to be up and down. But people, I don't think, can comprehend that it's only the beginning. You know, 2020 we was a sharp But we bounced so quick and, and went, you know, and recovered so fast from all the money they were printing at. I don't think people can gather that it's going to be at least two years until the next administration, until some fundamental things get changed behind the scenes or who knows, maybe five, seven, ten years, you know, but the be- beginning of a bear market, I'm I'm not going to be day trading as much, but I will be filling my bags to hold some blue chips and some certain cryptos long term that I feel like, who knows, maybe when we do turn around, I might never have to work again, you know, which is 
the goal is to eventually be passive. I think you can I help me. I don't think it's a good idea for you ever to not work. What's I will always have, you know, some sort. And that's why I want to do this, this construct. People with ADD need something for their hands to do. Mm. And that's what I figured out as, as God would have it, you know, doing this construction. I'm, I'm on my third or fourth job site now. Seventh, if you count some of the little ones. I'm in a different place all the time. Meeting, when I tell you I met a Harvard doctor and his wife, and I'm meeting people and I'm in rooms with, you know, where I wouldn't have been any. And that's another thing I like being a waiter in, in certain areas because there's no other chance coming from where I'm from and my family name and, you know, that I'll be in the room with some of these people, you know. And sometimes it's just about putting your energy out there. You know how many jobs? I used to do door-to-door sales for a pyramid scheme company, and I killed it. I used to get job offers all the time from insurance companies, and and I always turned them down because I, I was loyal to the guy I was working for, who's to this day still one of them. to a psychologist? To, yeah, I, they, I'm all kinds of fucked up. So What did they diagnose you with? I am antisocial personality. I am ADD. I am. Um, I've been told I'm a narcissist. Um, I don't know clinically. You know what a narcissist is? Uh, I I feel empathy. So you know, I. But I'm assuming it's somebody who just doesn't feel emotion, right? Or no, or care a, about. That's a sociopath. Oh, then I don't know what an, a narcissist is. Somebody that loves themselves more than anything else. I I I am sort of like that. You know, and that's me being that's honest. Your ego. I I fight, I struggle with that now. You know, and and is that unhealthy? Or you know, I, I, so there's a difference between selfish and self-involved. Mm. Again, this is how I define things, right? Selfish means that I'm 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 chiefly concerned with my own joy and pleasure. Okay, that seems healthy to me. Self-involved means. I don't give a fuck about anybody around me. I only care about what I get and how I get it, and it doesn't matter how I get it as long as I get it. No. And, and, and I, let me just be So addicts are typically self-involved, which is a narcissistic. They use narcissistic to describe addicts because they don't care about the people around them. And this is what I'll tell you a good friend Which of I don't mine. actually believe. I think addicts do care about the people around them. I think that they are just so hurt and so sad that they don't know how to deal with it. I sound like a narcissist. Like the way yeah. I talk about myself and the way my confidence or my ego is, I anybody who doesn't know me would 100% peg me as a narcissist. But it's my actions and my intentions and, and who I truly am underneath all the shit I don't understand about myself. I know I'm not because I most of the time put everybody so else before myself. I'm 37. You're 37. 37, yeah. How long? And you've only been clean two years. Because you did I've coke. been in recovery since 2015. But okay. you used coke it, it three times. It doesn't matter how long, you know. I, I'm just, like, I, I'm just doing sure. math yeah, right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've right? been like, clean uh, 2000, yeah, two, we'll, we'll say two and a half years. Right. So you've been so, clean for two and a half years. Three. You started using at 15. Mm. Right? Yeah. So for 20 years. Probably more than that. You've been an addict in some way. Yeah. Right? So that's the narcissistic personality. That's the self involved. Your intentions and your actions are different. You may intend to be a good person. Mm. You may intend to care about people. Mm. The problem is is that your actual actions don't do that. Yeah. You You break a lot of glasses that you never intend to fix. Mm. Not anymore. Maybe not anymore, but that's the last two and a half years where you're trying to do better. Where you're making the effort. Yeah. Where you're deciding. You woke up and decided, I don't want to do this because I think I'm going to die. And can I share something with you? Please do. 
I've I found a thing online. La- so I don't know if I had a fucking midlife crisis or if I had a spiritual awakening or what happened. But when I I don't I found crystal. I, I don't know what happened. But when I tell you my life sort of became not it was almost like you ever what movie was that? It was like I was a passenger in my own body for weeks, you know, not making my own decisions. Um, but it started with this. Um, I found this thing online one night, and it was called. So, you know the law, like the law of attraction, right? Mm-hmm. This was called the law of dispensation. Dis the law of. So basically, what it said. Is, and it was this whole thing that I recited, and, and I followed this thing like it was a spell, you know. And, and you believe what you will out there. I don't care. But, you know, it involved like putting a glass of water overnight with a plant inside of the water. And I, and I, can, and I said this, this, this seance that was pretty much along the lines of like, you know, you're going to be forgiven for all your sins from your past, future, and present. All your karma in every direction, all, you know. All dimensions will be forgiven and you start over, right? Sounds crazy, whatever. I went to sleep the next day, you know, and when I tell you the series of events from being wrongfully terminated at my job and fighting, you know, a wrongful termination lawsuit and just like one chaotic fucking thing after the other that I genuinely had no control over and it was not attached to any bad decisions or it was just the the shit, you know, I just happened to be at a certain place at a certain time. Like two weeks ago, I got hit by a car, you, you know, it's just certain things that are out of your control, right? Well, so I said this thing and, and I don't know what happened, but, you know, within, you know, a couple of weeks, I, I was fired from my job, was a full-time day trader, admitted, you know, all the wrong things that I did to my girl, um, just all my, you know, it was almost like I cleared my conscience, right? Call a spiritual awakening, like God came and showed me certain things, you know, beyond the veil. And and I don't know if it was voice. I, I can't explain to you these two weeks, right? But my life completely changed. And at the end, I wouldn't say my ego was completely broken because I still struggle. But I had a completely different perspective on life than I have ever had it, ever before, you know, about myself, about the people that I'm around. And I've been, you know, living my life according to these philosophies and certain things I believe in ever since. I was raised Catholic, but I don't believe in any. A, any organized religion at all. I think they're all forms of control and programming, but you won't have to go into all, all that stuff. But uh, I, so I don't know, you know, if, if I am suffering from some severe mental health issues that I need to get help with, you know, or if I'm just a drug addict trying to figure out how to handle emotions living sober. Nobody's just you a know? drug addict. So Nobody's just a drug addict. It comes from somewhere. <laughs> That's just real. So, and a lot of the stuff that you just said and a lot of the stuff that you're you're talking about is you are constantly looking for an outside source to give you the answer and the only answer is inside of you. Mm. You well, are constantly looking to the outside. You are constantly saying statements in this conversation about, I don't know if it was God or the universe or whatever it was that gave me this thing or things that are out of my control. When you start to understand that everything is in your control, you'll have a much easier time. I, and there are exceptions to the rule. I thought there that are exceptions weeks ago. There yeah. are exceptions to the rule. There are some things that obviously will be out of people's control. But the reality is, is the majority of things are in our control. The majority of things are based on our choices and how we live our life 
if you didn't cross the street where you crossed the street, you probably wouldn't have got hit by a car. Right, right, right. If you didn't leave wherever you left at the time you left, like those are all things that are technically in your control. So you and a lot of people that struggle with mental health that become addicts tend to look to the outside for an answer. Mm. That's why the, the, the AA system of the steps, the 12-step program, mm-hmm. that's all exterior, mm. right? Some of it's interior, but a lot of it's exterior. It's a lot of like, okay, these are the things I have to do to get to that. And God is like, please grant me the, the strength and serenity and all of those things, which is great to have that outside thing at first. But until you start to understand that the only answers exist inside yourself and you are actually the root and cause of all of the things that are happening in your life, you are not going to be able to change the things you need to change. You are going to fall back into patterns. Two years is 1% Mm. of 20 years. You are 1% sober. Yeah. And I wouldn't even, you know, say I'm 1% sober, you know, I I don't tell people that I'm sober. I tell people I'm in recovery. You know, I try to respect the, uh, and and you, you already figured that out. You know, I'm careful with my words. You are careful with your words, but the whole point that I'm trying to make is because it's a choice. It's about choosing what you're going to do and what you're not going to do. It's about like your body already has the understanding that if I do this thing, I'm going to need it constantly. Yeah. I crave that feeling. I crave that existence. I crave whatever emotion I get from it. So I will do it until I'm dead. And if you don't avoid it, you will end up dead. But the problem is, is that you, you break all of these relationships and you go on this, this path of destruction. And then you look at everybody on that path of destruction and you go, but I'm better now, Mm. but I'm doing better now. Bro, you're doing better for two fucking years. Yeah. Two years. Yeah. That's fucking dick. Mm. For 20 years, you tormented people. Well, I... Tormented them. I wouldn't say tormented, but... Okay, look at me. Because you're not looking at me? Listen to my words. All right. People that love you and care about you were tormented by watching you destroy yourself. Tormented. Yeah. That's you tormenting That's a fair assessment. Because 99% of it is true. But when you start to understand who I am and where I come from, and these are the realizations that I've made. No, no, listen to me. Nobody has ever given a fuck about me, ever. My whole life, my mother, I've come to realize, didn't love, she didn't want kids, you know, and I didn't have this epiphany until my little brother told me, you know, so. So I don't know that I've ever experienced genuine love from any other human being on this planet other than my Rottweiler, who's not a human. That's the, the first thing that I, and, and truly, the, and one of the, the reasons I was able to have the awakening I had, that dog, you know, and my girl, who I don't even know if we're together, those are the first two things ever that I've ever cared about more than myself. And it took me losing them, unfortunately, to even realize that I felt that way, you know? Um, so before, when I was in active addiction, you know, my, my mom's been gone. My dad's been an addict himself. My brother's been gone for a long time. You know, I would say the only people that I did hurt in active addiction are my brother and sister, right. you know? So, so, and those are the only two people that you should want to get back right now. It, that's a lie. I've hurt a lot of people. You've I hurt sh- a lot I, of people. I, I should, 
I shouldn't even have said any. What the fuck is wrong? I, you, I'm you sorry. Are, I heard a lot of you, and and truly, genuinely, I am sorry, and I'm here now. I, this is one of the steps, you know, I'm doing to try to work on myself because I don't listen to people. You know, I have a hard fucking time taking anybody's advice or or even trusting anybody's opinion for that matter. Yeah. Be, you know, but from the beginning, um, the messaging that we went back and forth and going through your pocket, I I could tell if. We may, at the end of the day, disagree on everything, but I could tell you're a down-to-earth enough person where I can have a debate with you and respect your opinions oh, at the end of the day. You already said I was right. So, <laughs> no, but I'm saying this was what I was thinking before I got here is what I'm saying. Which but Because some people, you know, that, that, that old adage, you can't argue you can't argue with stupid, you know? or, or So it, it's... You can't fix stupid and you can't explain crazy. You have logical you know explanations and re- that I can that I can get behind you know some some things like we'll, we'll we'll use that thing that they did in 2020 like nothing about it made sense to me it didn't stop the spread it didn't it didn't reduce your odds of dying it it didn't do anything that I felt like it needed to do be do you realize how much you give a shit about things that don't directly affect you mm. i mean do they though no do, how, did, I, did i lose my job for not getting va- no, I, I didn't. I didn't. I, I wanted to pretend like I did for a second. Again, right, but that's I, the thing but, is like it doesn't. How? But it affects us all. That that sort that, of that in particular. In, in yes, it affects us all. This but this culture to, shock that they did. In but things that are out of our control mm. are out of our control. They are, but are they? So you have to control At the what thing. Point? Do we do we but take you, back control? But what were you going to do about it? I, I don't know. Have a fucking uprising? No, I don't know. I'm I'm here talking to you about it. Are you going to run for Senate? I started making TikToks trying to get people to get behind me. Right. I I don't know other than having a conversation with you. You know why do we keep sending all this money to Ukraine? Why do you give a shit? Because it's our country. You have bigger fucking problems in your life than Ukraine. All right, all right, fair enough. Your fair life enough. is fucked. No, it's it's really not though. I'm. <laughs> You're one percent sober. Listen, I'm healthy. I'm listening, bro. I'm, I'm sober, right? I have a perspective that I survived heroin, prison, the streets. There, I've I already made it. Now your I'm just talking. To I'm just right waiting now. for everything. To, it's yeah. it's it's not my ego, man. That's your ego. How, <laughs> I don't give a shit that you survived because you're here now already. That's the past. Mm. It's about right now. Well, I'll tell you this then. Every day I get up, I go to work. Good. All I do is surround myself with people who make money or can help me make money. You know, that's it. I have no social life. I go to the gym. I eat organic food as best I can, and I make TikToks. That's it. My life is figured out for the next two years. I don't have to make any decisions. I don't have to do anything except show up for the next two years, you know? And then from there, we'll figure it out one day at a time. But as far as I'm done trying to convince my brother of anything, you know, I'm here when he, if he wants to have a relationship with me, Tyler, I know you're getting married in January. If he wants to have a relationship with me, I'm around, you know, I don't expect him to go out of his way to, to try to comfort me or to be there for me. Would you want a relationship with the guy that just said it that way? No, no. But no, no, don't, don't don't lose it. Don't Don't go go off on a tangent. Stay in it. Would you want a relationship? I feel a certain way. Would you want a relationship with a person that spent 20 years being a fucking train wreck looking at you saying, look, man, I'm done trying to explain it to you. If you want a relationship, you can have a relationship with me. You shattered the glass. He didn't. Yeah. It's your job to fucking fix it. 
That's your job. No, you're right. That's your responsibility. And, and, right. and if you want your brother in your life who's a healthy person, who might have kids that are your nieces and nephews, who might have a, a, a new sister-in-law in your life, if you want to be healthy and you want to have that home that you're talking about, that's where it fucking starts, bro. That's it right there. But right now, you got upset somewhere, and your ego took over, and you started telling me about how nobody's ever loved you, and you survived the streets, and you survived this, and you survived that. Bro. I got nothing but love for you. Otherwise, you wouldn't be in this fucking space. No, I get it. I'm- so you like I got no. I have nothing to gain from this scenario. I have so, nothing to lose from this scenario. I don't understand where you think the aggression was. Sometimes I talk I don't passionately. Think it's aggression. Um, I think that you, I, anger and aggression are different things. Your feelings changed. Your emotion changed. Your intent changed. I think, and I'm not worried about any of it up until the point where you started talking about your brother. Mm. And if you want your brother in your life, you can't speak that way to him. I appreciate that, you know. And, you and owe him an apology. You may have given him sorries a lot, but you need to show that dude that you are ready to be the man that he needs in his life. So we were talking again, and we were uh, we were actually getting to the point where I was gonna go see him. You How know? long ago? Um, this was right around that time I, I told you I had a spiritual awakening. So, two weeks ago? No, no. This happened before or after the coke. This was after the coke. But so, okay. my I, I was clean, but he thought I was using drugs. When it was really, I don't know to this day what was going on with me that that time. You know, at, at one point I thought my ex, or <laughs> I thought she maybe gave me some drugs, but. Because I can't, you know, I I can't explain. But in that pro, in that time period, there was a there was something that happened with him, where I was on the phone with him. I was like, "Listen, um, I'm coming down to see you. I got two weeks off from work. I called my probation officer. Um, she gave me two weeks off. I'm leaving my girl. I packed my car up with all my shit, and I'm coming down there to Florida. I'm fucking starting over." And I had everything in my car, and I was driving down there, and I got stuck in a snowstorm and landed in a GameStop parking lot. And it was the day before the GameStop uh, whole thing. But he thinks that I used drugs in that time, but, but I wasn't, you know. And, and ever since that last, uh, that, that last experience, we, we haven't talked at all, you know. And Can you blame him for thinking that? No, no, not, not at all. Right, but, but you are. So... But you are. I'm not blaming him. I'm explaining to you what no, happened. Because the way you said what I you said. I feel a type of way. Yes, that's I you do. blaming him. Mm. That's your ego. You Did broke, we not already say I'm allowed to have my feelings? You I'm are allowed, allowed to feel the way you are, I feel. But that doesn't they're, make they're your valid. feelings correct. <laughs> how are my feelings wrong? I cannot help how I feel. No, right? but you can look at I can, self-awareness. I can, I can, self-awareness. I can choose how I self-awareness act. Self-awareness is your feelings, right? Mm. What do you want? You want a relationship with your brother, right? Walk with me. Walk with me right now. Ready? Here we go. You want a relationship with your brother, yes or no? Yes. Okay. Self-awareness. How do you feel? You're angry. You're hurt. You're upset. You're hurt that he thinks you used when you didn't. You're upset that he didn't trust you. You're upset that he didn't believe you. You feel like you deserved at least that much trust because you told him that you weren't using, right? That's yourself. That's your self-awareness. I just... Yes or yes, no? Yes, yes. Yes. Okay. Personal perspective. Put your feelings aside. The reality is you told your brother that you were going to drive down there and start over. You got stuck in a snowstorm, right? Mm-hmm. He assumes that you got stuck, you used, you didn't make it. That hurt his feelings. That made him upset. 
he thinks that you not making it down there was you using and you making up excuses because that's your past and that's your history and that's all he knows of you mm. is you making excuses, right? Yeah. So that's the perspective. Empathic understanding. How does he feel? He feels hurt that you lied again. He feels hurt, angry, stupid. He feels like he was taken advantage of. He feels like he was let down again. His childhood trauma of his big brother being a fucking mess and him loving him and wanting him in his life hurts a lot. Mm. That's his empathic understanding of him, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. effectively giving that's where we are right now how do we effectively give to your brother who you hurt hey man look i know that i fucked up in the past i know that i'm a fucking addict and i've done a lot of dumb shit and i've lied a lot and i've hurt you a lot and i'm a piece of shit most of the time i just want you to know that that didn't happen and i want to apologize to you that i didn't make it down there when i said i would and the ball's in your court now that's a that's empathically understanding and effective giving to his needs and his emotional existence. Yeah. Now the win-win is he says either I don't believe you or thank you for that we can at least start talking again. Yeah. And right? and, and do you see that path? I, we have done that and I think he's just to the point where he doesn't give a fuck. Right. You know? So then that's and, and, and that hurts your feelings. And I've I've and and that's sort of I think what you saw come out of me there. I've I I, I've realized that, you know, he just, and it's a whole reason he moved to Florida. You know, I think he has, and, and I shouldn't offer anything, but I'm pretty sure it's the whole that out of sight, out of mind, you sure. know? So, uh, no, I just know what state he lives in. I don't know his address. Okay. You have no, no messenger. We, we, we talk on messenger. That's it. Great. You can send him a holiday greeting. You can send him something that says happy, happy Christmas. You know when his fucking birthday is. And I hear is. you, and I do. So you can reach and I out. Do. You can do those things consistently, and he can either accept them or he can tell you. And I could open my phone cannot. right now and show you, you know, a history right. of the last two Which years of me doing just that, you know. That's fine. And then, but it's a broken glass, right? I'm to the point now, I just don't give a fuck anymore about family, friends, anybody else and other than myself, truly. And, that, and that's, that's a dangerous that place to be. terrible, but for the next two years, nobody's going to feed me. Nobody's going to help me. Nobody's going to give me nothing. But, so, that's, you don't, but that's the problem, right? You think people are meant to give you something. Mm-mm. You even said the only people that I'm going to surround myself with are people that help me make money. Mm. You said that, not me. Yeah, yeah. That's not what people are for. Well, then what are people for? Connection. <laughs> Love. Yeah. Well, affection. I, maybe, maybe Kindness. I think that's... I, it, I'm getting to the point genuinely where I, I'm understanding I am not built like any other human. You know, I don't... You f- are built like I don't many other humans. I feel emotions the way you do. I don't need relationships the it's same. It's about needing relationships the same. It's about understanding that you need people to get to where you want to go. How can you help anybody if you don't give a shit about them? I want to be there for the people that I care about, but... But you don't care about anybody. It, there are a, a couple people in my life that I would do anything for. Are they healthy? Genuinely. Yes and no. What, that, what does that yes mean? Yes and no. So it means exactly that. It means right. yes and no. So, so I think this has been an amazing conversation. I know. we're probably, we, did, we hit a, did we hit a stagnant? No, I don't think we hit a stagnant. I think that we're, we're at a point where... We've been doing this for a while, mm. and I appreciate you being here, and I loved this conversation. Uh, I think that we came to an agreement that addiction is a choice. I will agree that at and some that, point I made a choice, which, you know. And you, you made a choice to start, and you made a choice to finish, yeah. right? And it's your job to continue making the choice. The problem is mental health. It is not addiction. 
The problem is mental health. Mm. And, and, you know, I'll give you that win. I, I think mental health is a problem, you know, but I'm just not convinced that there's a there, they're not two separate mental health disorders, you know. So mental I, health is a broad spectrum. It is know? a broad spectrum. And I feel, you know, I just addiction don't, falls into that. But as a mental health issue, when I have depression, I don't wake up and choose it. Yeah. When I have bipolar, I don't wake up and choose it. When I have addiction, I don't wake up and say, with never trying it, with never drinking a sip of alcohol, wake up going, you know what I need today? A whiskey to make me feel better. You you keep relating addiction to drug use. And that, that that's, you know. But that's what it is. No, no, no. It's, addiction it's, okay, is. to so gambling. You know, but if you've never gambled before, you don't wake up one day and be like, you know what I need it's, to do? It's I need not, to bet on it's, the horses. It's behavior. It's, it's, it's Beyond it's all that's behavior patterns, you know, right, and, which comes from mental health, and, and it's it's whether it's risky behavior or it, it's all to chase that dopamine. But I think but that addicts are predisposed to those behaviors. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, again, I, I I would I don't disagree that they're predisposed. Mm. What I'm saying is that the addiction itself, at a certain point, comes down to choice. And you yourself have said, if I want to let me down for that one, if I want to do it, I will. I see your point. I I see the point you're making. And and, and I'll give you that. All right. It's a fucking choice. So we're going to choose to do better. Let's all choose to do better. And on that, we'll end. Appreciate it. Appreciate you being here, brother.